0: Hello friend, I'm John Carter. The Carter Report team is going to the Solomon Islands to preach Christ. We're going this September, 2011. We've just purchased 10,000 of these Bibles here in the United States. We're shipping them out to the Solomon Islands. We are taking the entire Carter Report team. We are hiring an outdoor stadium. They say thousands, maybe Tens of thousands of people are going to come every night to hear the Word of God. The need is desperate in the Solomon Islands. I need your prayers. I need your support. I need your partnership as we go to the Solomon Islands. Many, many years ago, when I was growing up in Australia, I met a man from the Solomon Islands. His name was Pastor Carter Angusso. He told me the stories of the headhunters, the cannibals, and the coming of the missionaries who came to preach the word of the living God. That is why we are going to the Solomon Islands to finish the work that God has called us to do. I want you to be my partner in this tremendous work. I want you to come as a volunteer. I need your support. I need to hear from you today. Please write to me, John Carter, Post Office Box, 1900, Thousand Oaks, California. Write to me, please, in Terrigal, New South Wales, Australia. The hour is late. Jesus said, Work while it is day. The night is coming when no man can work. Join me, please, in the Solomon Islands. I want to give you just the warmest welcome today to the Carter Report. Our topic today is the old violin. Have we got a meeting for you? But first today, I'm delighted to have a special guest. She sung for me around the world. I love her lots, baptized her in the Philippines, Sharon Verdi. Would you please welcome today to the Carter Report, Sharon Verdi? <laughs>
1: So when you're in the valley and your nights are cold and Bye. But nothing can separate you from neither pain nor sorrow. Not to-
0: Topic today is the old violin. Now today we have somebody who plays the violin not the old violin but who plays the violin beautifully. Her name is Grace O and she's going to play for us a wonderful song that you all love amazing grace. Would you please welcome Grace today? <clears throat> Amazing grace can change lives Amen. and amazing grace changes lives. And that's what we're talking about today. The topic is the old violin. One of my favorite bits of poetry is this. "Twas battered and scarred. Battered and scarred like some of us. And the auctioneer thought it scarcely worth his while to waste much time on the old violin, but held it up with a smile. One of my bidden, good folks, he cried, who'll start the bidding for me? A dollar? A dollar, then two, only two, three dollars, two dollars, who make it three? Three dollars once. Three dollars twice, going for three. But no, from the room f- far back, a gray-haired man came forward and picked up the bow. Wiping the dust from the old violin and tightening the loose strings, he played a melody pure and sweet as sweet as an angel sings. Music ceased and the auctioneer with a voice that was soft and low said, What am I bid for the old violin? And he held it up with the bow. A thousand dollars, who will make it two? Two thousand, and who will make it three? Three thousand once, three thousand twice, and going and gone, said he the people cheered but some of them cried we do not quite understand what changed its worth swift came the reply the touch of a master's hand many a man with life out of tune and battered and scarred with sin is auction cheap to the thoughtless crowd much like the old violin. A mess of pottage, a glass of wine, a game, and he travels on, he's going once, he's going twice, he's going and almost gone. But the master comes and the foolish crowd can never quite understand the change that's wrought by the touch of the master's hand. So today we're talking about changing old violins into something like you heard this morning when grace played for us, amazing grace. It's a wonderful thing. The foolish crowd can never quite understand the worth of a soul and the change that's wrought by the touch of the Master's hand. The theme today is changing an old violin into a new violin. Uh, Lawrence, whom I baptized a year or two ago, after her baptism, gave me this old violin. Um, I took it because I thought you know, I'll study this thing, and maybe it's a Stradivarius. I won't tell her, maybe it's worth 20 million. (laughs) Uh, It wasn't, (laughs) Lordus. But it's something beautiful. It's an old battered violin. Um, I don't know how you feel, but the truth of the matter is, we're all a lot, lot like that old violin. David said, I was born in sin and in sin did my mother conceive me. We've all been battered by sin. And sometimes we make discordant noises. There's nothing more beautiful than a violin well played and there's nothing worse than a violin badly played. We heard it beautifully played today by Grace when she played Amazing Grace. But this old violin is a a symbol today of what we become. Now, most of us have still got some strings because we make a lot of noise. Uh, But this one hasn't got any strings and you can't even tighten up the strings because there's nothing there and there's no section to the center. But it's very much like the human race. I don't know about you folks, but more and more it comes into my consciousness that the human race is running down. You turn on television, it's one scandal after another. It's a good thing today to stay away from television <laughs> because the news on the economy is not good. The news on global warming is not good. Um, the, the news on the greenhouse effect, all of those things, and the carbons. Uh, you know, I'm not a scientist, but I do know that the human race is in need of the touch of the master's hand. There's no doubt about it. We all need a transformation. But the good news, my friend, is this, that God is in the business of transforming lives. And you may feel today as useless as this old violin that's so battered and scarred by sin, you may feel as useless as that. But I want you to know today, it doesn't matter where you're watching, you may be watching today in Iraq, and we have folks who watch in Iraq and Saudi Arabia around the world. But I want you to know this, that God is in the miracle working business of transforming lives. I want you to come to our theme text, 2 Corinthians 3 and verse 17 and onward, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And most of us in this church use the New International Version, 2 Corinthians 3, but you follow with the version that you have. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, 17 to 18. And as you read it in your Bible, the NIV today in this church, I'm going to read it to you in my beautiful old King James Version, 17 and 18. Now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is what? There's liberty. I want to say to the person today who is tied up with drugs, you don't have liberty until you have Christ sin takes from us our liberty. Many people think somehow that sin is a liberating influence. But the Bible tells me that there's no liberty without Christ. So the Bible says, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with open face, all with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image, what does it say? From glory to glory, even as by the spirit of the Lord. The good news is this. I want you to hear this. It doesn't matter how bad or how battered or how bruised, A person is. God is in the business of transforming lives. He can take an old violin and make it into a new violin that plays amazing grace. And sacred history is filled with the stories of men and women who've been changed by the touch of the master's hand. And today we're going to talk just for a little while, just about a few of them, and then I'm going to invite some guests from the audience to come and share a message with you. But the first Bible character that comes to my mind today is Paul the Pharisee, who was touched by the Master's hand. He was a battered old violin, was Paul. Would you come over here to Philippians chapter 3, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians chapter 3, and verses five and six in the Holy Bible. Philippians three, verses five and six, Paul here gives his testimony. He says, circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, As for legalistic righteousness, faultless. The hardest person to change, I think, is a super religious person. And Paul was a super, super religious person. The Bible says he was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. You know who the Pharisees were. They were tremendously important sect among the jewish nation they were the most legalistic and the most sincere devout people that you would meet anywhere in the world and paul was filled with his own self-righteousness and he had a zeal for god and a zeal for persecuting the church if you come over here to the book of acts what could god do with such a man Acts. Chapter 9, verses 1 to 3, it describes his course in Israel. Acts, chapter 9, verses 1 down to 4, we'll notice it. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he, if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He said, who is it? And the voice said, I'm Jesus. He was a man who was a religious bigot, full of self-righteousness, filled up to the top of his head with all the teachings of the law, persecuting the church. And Jesus touched him. And when Jesus touched him, Jesus transformed him from glory to glory. I want you to know No person is too hard for Jesus. From the Apostle Paul, we have the book of Romans, the greatest book on the gospel, on justification by faith. We have 1 and 2 Corinthians. We have 1 Corinthians 13 that talks about the love of God if I speak with the tongues of men and of angels. That came from Paul and have not love. We have all of these marvelous books like Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. Came from this man. Paul's life is a testimony to the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because God is in the business of transforming lives. Another great example is John the Apostle. Would you come over here with me please to Mark chapter three. And verse 17, Matthew, Mark chapter 3 and uh, verse 17 that talks about this hothead whose name was John. Mark chapter 3 and verse 17. The Bible says, if you look at verse 13, Jesus went up on a mountain and called to him those he wanted and they came to him. He appointed 12, designating them apostles and then you come to verse 17 James son of Zebedee and his brother John to them he gave the name Bonerges which means sons of thunder anybody here with a bad temper well John had a bad temper he was a little pot soon hot And so he was a man who was flamed up with all the passions of of a sinful nature. And God took this man and touched him and changed him by grace divine. And from John we have the Gospel of John that theologians say is the most profound and the most spiritual book ever written in the history of the human race. And then he gave us the apocalypse or the book of Revelation from a fisherman, a battered old violin. And God changed his life and gave him a song to sing. God is in the business of changing lives. It doesn't matter who you are or what your problem is. Don't despair because God can change you and God can use you. Now I think of another great character that is mentioned in the Bible and that is Matthew from the IRS. Would you come over here to Matthew 9 and verse 9 and we all love the IRS. Matthew 9 and verse 9. Matthew, the tax collector. Matthew 9 verse 9. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. Now, back in those days, people hated tax collectors. Here is a Jewish tax collector and he's collecting taxes not for the Jewish nation, but for the Romans and more than this he collected for himself and so he was collecting for the Romans and collecting for for Matthew he was about as popular as Wall Street bankers who brought about the collapse of economies around the world and then rewarded themselves with great bonuses. <laughs> Can you believe it? While well, people by the millions were losing their homes and children were dying of starvation. They rewarded themselves. Now, we're not here to talk about them, but those people are not popular in America, not popular anywhere in the world. And Matthew was like a Wall Street banker. But Jesus is in the business of transforming lives. And God reached down and took this tax collector working for the Roman IRS and made him St. Matthew And he gave us the gospel according to Matthew. When you read your Bible, there you have the gospel of Matthew. A couple of weeks ago, we spoke on the the great sermon that is recorded there, the Sermon on the Mount, all written down with 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 the pen of Matthew the saint. So the Bible would have us to understand this. It is not the sin question. It is the son question. If you turn to the Son, He will save you from your sin. And God is in the wonderful business of changing lives by His divine grace. What we all need today, my friend, is the touch of the Master's hand. There may be somebody watching the telecast today. I don't know, but we get letters from around the world and you feel that life is so bad and you feel that you are so bad and you can't go on. I want you to know nobody is too bad for the grace of God. The grace of God is greater than all of our sins. You may feel like an old violin but I want to tell you folks something God can take an old violin and God can do something wonderful with it now we have a number of guests here today and a person who's been coming to our church a very beautiful wonderful lady is Dr Rema Johnson and I'm going to ask Dr Johnson now to come out and we're going to have a little chat for a minute or two would you please come, Dr. Johnson? This lady is a distinguished lady. Would you like to come over close to me? And then we're just gonna have a little talk, just this way a little, thank you. I'm gonna ask you a little bit about yourself. Where do you come from originally?
2: I was born in an, on the northern coast of Jamaica, a little village called Port Maria.
0: I've been to Jamaica. I went to Kingston, Jamaica and ran some meetings there, and I loved the people. Then, uh, after some period of time, you became involved in the, with the army. Tell us about that.
2: I was um, in middle age, but I was a very qualified nurse, and at that time they said they would take any nurse with any qualification. so I got in, and I stayed in for 23 years and uh, retired as a lieutenant colonel.
0: That's marvelous. It's great to have a colonel in the church. Um, And uh, also you have a doctorate. Now, Today we're talking about the old violin doctor and we're talking about God's transforming grace. Can you tell us a little bit uh, from your own experience what you've seen about the transforming grace of our great God?
2: In my personal life I can testify to the fact that I was brought up in an atmosphere where there was a lot of belief about ghosts Mm. and about how Satan and the devil and things Mm. like that, very fearful. But somehow the Spirit of God was with me and brought me up to the point where I was exposed to the Seventh-day Adventist message.
0: What about Christ and the gospel? How did Christ reach down and touch you?
2: Christ reached down and touched me very early in my life. I was, it wasn't through the Seventh-day Adventist ministry. It was through the Anglican ministry, where I had to learn the catechism, repeat the Psalms, and much of um, the birth of Christ as recorded in the Old Testament, in the New Testament. And from thence, from an early age, I felt that God's Spirit was always with me, always with me.
0: And when I talk to you and I've met you, I can see that the Spirit of God is with you. You told me that uh, the soldiers, as they came in, some of them were watching our telecasts. I never knew that before.
2: Well, this was very, it was God's providential hand. When I got to Germany, because of my background, I was put in charge of a unit that was sending our soldiers down to Iraq, getting ready for the first war. And as a senior nurse I could not go but I would send members of my unit while they went down there they were able to watch the 3ABN and most of the time they were very happy about watching the Carter report and while they were there they would get Bible lessons from the chaplain and many of them came back to Germany to my unit to be baptized and with the help of Pastor Grimland from Australia um, we were able to baptize a variety of young men before they went back to the battlefield.
0: Your life has been rich and full and you've seen the hand of God. You've seen the transforming uh, grace of God at work, how he can take battered people and bruised people Mm -hmm. and he can touch them and change them for his glory. And we thank God for you and we pray that God will continue to bless you in your ministry. Thank Thank you you so much. Thank Thank you, Doctor.
1: Mm.
0: Now that is, my friend, an amazing and wonderful story. You see, God is in the business of transforming lives, not by force. You can't legislate morality. I heard a famous uh, American speaker, in fact, he's, uh, he's in the Congress, and he said something very good. He said, we don't want a theocracy in America. Some people want a theocracy. They want church and state to be together because then we can force people to be good. But he said, you can never, never legislate morality. You can't make people good. That is why America needs, and that is why the world needs the Christian church, preaching the gospel of Jesus. So God doesn't use, God doesn't use force to get people to do his will well he does use force but it's a different sort of force it is the force it's the power of his love And I want you to come over now to 2nd Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 14 and 15 2nd Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 14 and 15 2nd Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 14 and 15. God is in the business of transforming lives by the power of his love. You got it? Chapter 5, 14 and 15. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died and he died for all that they who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them And was raised again. It is the power of the love of God that changes our lives. And then, if you come to verse 21. God made him Christ who had no sin to be sin for us. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. What is God like friend? I want to talk to the television audience. There may be somebody saying there today. uh, I've been brought up to believe that God is harsh. I know many, many folks who've been brought up in legalistic homes and they were brought up with a terrible fear of God that he's harsh and he's waiting to knock them down. Some of you here know what I'm talking about. It's true, Ron, isn't it? God is a terrible God. He's a fearful God. On one of occasions, Jesus said these words, He who has seen me has seen the Father you wanna know what God is like, God the Father? He's like Jesus. What is Jesus like? Well, Jesus is loving. See him with the woman caught in adultery. He delivered her, he saved her soul. See Jesus with the little children, allow the little children to come unto me. What is he like? See Jesus on the cross, that is what the Father is like. See Jesus going through hell, bearing our sins, because he loves us. The greatest truth in the Bible is the truth of the love of God. Some of you have heard this story, but when I was a boy going to college, I was only 17 years of age, so it's quite a while ago, I did not know Christ. But I went to Avondale College and I heard some tremendous preaching on the love of God. I had a senior student whom I love to this day, Tom Ludowisi, Dr. Tom Ludowisi. Howdy, Tom. Still think of you, Tom. Pray for you, love you, Tom. Appreciate you, Tom. Tom took me aside every night under the trees at Avondale and he talked to me about the love of God. I'd never heard anything like this. I'd been brought up in a Christian home. I'd had religion knocked into me I was beaten up with religion. But when I heard that God loved me and he cared for me and Christ had died for me, I wandered around for days at Avondale as though I was in a stupor, as though I was, I was just dazed and amazed by the fact that he loves me. And I want you to know this, whatever you do, You can be as bad as you like. You can do evil things. You cannot stop God loving you. He'll keep loving you because God is love. And God is in the business of transforming lives by his love. I want every person today who's watching the telecast to know God loves you. Jesus cares for you. He died for you on the cross. A very beautiful lady in this church who's, been coming to this church for some time now, is Sylvia Lee Khan, And I believe that she has an experience with God. And I'm going to ask Sylvia to come forth now. Come up here on the stage. And we're just going to have a little chat together. Would you please welcome Sylvia Lee <clears> Khan? <throat> Sylvia, you look so nice and I'm so glad to see you. You're a wonderful member of this church and in this church we don't just love you we like you, Thank you. <laughs> how have you seen the transforming power of God at work
3: um, pastor I grew up in a different church mm-hmm. I used to go to mass every morning before going to school mm-hmm. and they have different idols there and one of them was Jesus on the cross and I will, after the mass was over, I will go and say hi to him and I will say, I'm sorry that you were put to death by by mean, powerful people and that nobody helped you. But that was the knowledge I had of him. Mm. Uh, after a pastor offered me Bible study and gave me a Bible, I learned that Jesus chose to die. Mm that he knew that I was a sinner and that that he didn't offer himself for me. I wouldn't be able to be with him forever in heaven. So I learned something wonderful. He died for me, he resurrected, he went to heaven, he prepared a place for me. And not only that, he is my friend. We have a wonderful relationship every day.
0: We have a wonderful relationship every day.
3: Yes, he is my friend. I'm never alone. I go through hardships, but not by myself. He's with me, and I'm so thankful. And I wish everybody will know him, because his love is great, and his um, the hope that he gives us is wonderful.
0: Uh, Sylvia, you are the product of the touch of the Master's hand. Yes. You're a beautiful person, and we love you and thank you so much I love today. It. Thank you. Thank you, you, Sylvia. Transformed by grace divine through the love of God, by the power of the word. That's how God changes people. By the power of the word. I want you to take your Bibles, please, and turn over here to the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, and verses 12 and 13. Hebrews, chapter 4. And verse 12 and 13, my dear friends. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12 and 13. The Bible says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Listen, the word of God is mighty and powerful. I know it is true. If you allow the word of God to speak to your heart, if you will start to read the word of God, a miracle is going to happen in your life. You know what the devil is afraid of more than anything else, my friend? That you and I will read and believe the word of God. How do you explain this? At five o'clock in Russia, we have 10,000 atheists. They won't even lift up their eyes to look at me. They're so distrustful. And the Word of God is preached with the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And uh, an hour later, we have 10,000 Russians with their hands raised up, crying for the mercy of God and coming to Christ. Explain it to me. It is the power of the Word of God. This is the power that is found in the Bible. This is the power that made the stars. Think of it the power that made a billion blazing worlds, it is the power of God. So God can take an old violin (laughs) that's battered and bruised and by the grace of God, he can change it. And this is a wonderful, amazing thing. Another member of our church is Esther Maurice. She's a beautiful person. I'm going to ask Esther to come now. We're going to have... A little chat for just a moment. Would you please welcome Esther? Let her her feel at home here today. Esther, in this church, you're appreciated and you're respected. You're an elder of this church. How have you seen this transforming grace of God at work?
4: I was uh, brought up in a Christian home and um, gone to church for many, many years. Mm. But I always lived my life in fear, you did? very legalistic, yeah. very fearful that if I was caught in a moment mm-hmm. of doing something I shouldn't have done, yeah. and I died that moment, mm. I wasn't going to make it to heaven. Mm. But on a Wednesday night at this church, mm. uh, while we were studying the big issues of the gospel, oh. God touched my heart.
0: Amazing, wonderful.
4: And uh, I understood what salvation was all about. And I understood his, his love and his grace for me mm. Mm. and how much he loved me mm. that it just transformed my life totally. And I no longer live in fear, but in love and with a good relationship with my God.
0: We say praise the Lord. Hallelujah. God bless you, Esther. Thank you. Thank you. What a story. What a wonderful story.
1: <clears throat>
0: transformed by the influence of the Holy Spirit. Please take your Bibles. Come over here to John chapter 16. Notice the words of Jesus. John chapter 16, where Jesus our Lord talks about the Holy Spirit. John chapter 16, and uh, we're going to start at verse, let me see now. Let's start at verse 7. But I tell you the truth, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. In regard to sin, because men do not believe in me. In regard to righteousness, because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And in regard to judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. Look at me. The Spirit of God is the third person of the Godhead. He is alive and well on planet Earth. And when we open up our hearts, the Spirit of God comes to us and he burns in our souls. And he convicts us of sin and righteousness and judgment to come. I ask you, have you ever felt the burning influence of the Spirit of God? The very fact that you're here in church on the Lord's Day is an evidence that the Spirit of God is talking to your heart. The Holy Spirit is the active agent in the redemption of the soul. Come over here to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 19, dear friends. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 19. Paul says, do not put out the Spirit's fire. He burns in our hearts. I'm here today to give a testimony to you and here is my testimony. I have felt the fire. I've seen the fire. I've seen the fire in India, Africa, Russia, Ukraine, the Philippines. I've seen the fire. I've felt the fire. I've seen the fire move upon millions of hearts, I've seen the Spirit of God move in hearts in this church. It is the work of the Holy Spirit to change us from glory to glory. Phil Battle is a member of this church and is also an elder of this church. Teaches the Bible. I want Phil to come, and so that Phil is going to feel at home, I want you to welcome him today, please. <laughs> Mm. Mm. welcome to church phil come over a little closer my brother glad to see you can you give a testimony today to the transforming power of god
5: yes i can tell me so it was 21 years ago i was living in utter darkness i was Mm -hmm. drinking every day smoking grass Mm -hmm. and doing whatever you can think of And I was riding my bicycle. I used to race 10-speed bicycles on Lincoln Boulevard. Mm. And I looked over my shoulder, and a car was going to hit me. Mm. The car hit me. I bounced off the hood 15 feet in the air. And I I looked down and saw cars going both directions. I knew there was a possibility I would die. Mm. I shouted out, Lord, save me. I'm lost, like he didn't know it. Mm. But I knew I wasn't going to die. And so two weeks after that, I gave my life to the Lord, I've been walking now 21 years and five months, and I've been changing to to good, from glory to glory. So it is possible just pray for your brothers and sisters and family members like they were doing for me, and now I'm here. Isn't that wonderful?
0: Praise God, Phil. Thank you. Thank you. Wonderful. I'm going to read you the poem again. I want you to think about it, because you just may be feeling like this old battered violin, but don't give up. God is in the business of changing old battered violins. Listen to the poem. And think about it. Twas it battered and scarred. You feel like that? And the auctioneer thought it scarcely worth his while. Do you think you're worth nothing? To waste much time in the old violin, but held it up with a smile. One am my bidding, good folks, he cried, who'll start the bidding for me? A dollar, a dollar, then two, only two, two dollars, who'll make it three? Three dollars once, three dollars twice, going for three. But no, from the room far back, a gray-haired man came forward and picked up the bow and Wiping the dust from the old violin and tightening the loose strings, he played a melody pure and sweet, as sweet as an angel sings. The music ceased and the auctioneer with a voice that was soft and low said, what am I bid for the old violin? And he held it up with the bow. $1,000 and who'll make it two? 2,000 and who'll make it three? 3,000 once, 3,000 twice? And going and gone said he. The people cheered but some of them cried, we do not quite understand what changed the worth? The man replied, the touch of a master's hand. Many a man with life out of tune and battered and scarred with sin. His auction cheap to the thoughtless crowd, much like the old violin. A mess of pottage, a glass of wine, a game and he travels on. He's going once, he's going twice, he's going and almost gone. The Master comes, and the foolish crowd can never quite understand the worth of a soul and the change that's wrought by the touch of the Master's hand. Amen. There are two things that a pastor shouldn't do. He shouldn't tell lies and he shouldn't retire. (laughs) That's why I plan to keep on keeping on while God can still use me. While these lungs are working and while this mouth is talking and while Jesus is still alive and I'm still alive, I plan to keep on preaching the everlasting gospel. Will you pray for me? Will you support us in this great work? Listen. We have received an urgent invitation from the church in India. They're saying, come over and help us. What a challenge, my friend. Do you know how many people live in the land of India? More than a thousand million people and the place is full of demons and evil spirits. They don't want this campaign, those evil spirits, but I want you to know Jesus is stronger than the evil spirits. Last time we went to India, we had tremendous opposition. Our lives were threatened, but by the grace of God, we're going to go back because Jesus has called us to go. When we went there last time, we saw thousands of people coming to Christ. One night, 30,000 people came to Christ, Hindus and Muslims. We're praying, Jesus, do it again. Please support us. Please write to me, John Carter. Post Office Box, 1900, Thousand Oaks, California, 91358. In Australia, write to me, please, at beautiful Terrigal. The address is right there on the screen. Listen, my friend, I need your prayers. I need your support. Please pray for us. I'll be praying for you right today. And God bless you.